More and more people around the world are living in cities. What attracts them are better jobs, a wide range of things to do in their free time, and greater flexibility and mobility in everyday life. At the same time, cities are becoming more crowded and cramped. Traffic is increasing considerably. That is why sustainable transportation solutions are one of the core aspects of future urban development. Developing appropriate concepts is a major challenge not only for urban planners, but also for providers of transportation solutions. So what will the livable green city of the future look like? And how will we move through it in the future? These are the questions we ask in this episode of the Sustainability Stories. I'm your host. My name is Dan Wesker. Welcome. Sustainability Stories, the trading podcast on building a sustainable future. Our topic in this episode, what will the sustainable city of the future look like and how will we get around it? Joining me to talk around this subject, I'd like to welcome our guests, Christian Villardson, partner and director at architecture firm Gell, and Torsten Bergmeier-Treder, transportation designer at MAN Truck and Bus. Hi, Christian. Hello, Torsten. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Good to have you both with us. With your work, you both contribute to making cities more livable and accessible for the benefit of their residents and visitors. Christian, as director and partner at Copenhagen-based architecture firm Gale, you work to turn cities into livable green spaces, most recently in Shanghai, among other places. And Torsten, as a transportation designer at MAN, you and your team designed buses and other vehicles for the sustainable urban transport of the future. So here's a double question to get you both started. To give our listeners a clear idea of what you both do, could you first of all briefly outline what your job actually looks like and answer me this question. What three factors will determine what cities look like in the future? Um, Torsten, let's start with you there. So hi. Uh, oh yes, I'm the designer of transportation design here at MIN, creating city buses, traveling buses, usually from the perspective from the drivers and as well for passengers and also taking care about needs about transportation in the future according to autonomous design etc so what are three factors there's always a big question about this so we are in a time of transformation so i would say it's the dribble t so transformation is for the cities for instance so digitalization so our cities are getting a digital counterpart a digital twin but it's taking about everything and connected, uh, gives a base for more evidence services, moving people, goods, etc. Then the transformation of mobility, so from owner-oriented mobility to, to user-oriented mm. mobility. And I guess the most important transformation I have in mind is our mindsets, that we are curious and open-minded about new forms of transportation and connectivity, at least. So these are the three drivers I see so far. Okay, and, and Christian? 
So I'm, I'm so lucky to be an architect and working with cities. And when I say lucky, it's because, of course, when you work with city, you work with just about everything. But you can say, in short, our job is uh, we work with big city strategies. You mentioned Shanghai before. Here I've been involved in the Shanghai Street Design Guideline, which the, was the first major Chinese city to actually get a street design guideline, recognizes the street as public spaces and not just space for road traffic, so to speak. Um, but we also work with developers on building uh, the communities of the future. So in Northern Europe, um, uh, these are focus areas from us. Um, and last but not least, of course, mobility is a big uh, factor. In the past, we worked a lot with walkability, bikeability, uh, traditional green mobility. But of course, it's interesting in these years where mobility is changing that we also have a dialogue with the traditional car production companies and so on. And if I were to mention sort of three things that I think will be terminating uh, how our cities evolved, I would have to say climate change will be a big factor uh, with all that comes with it from adaption to migration and all other kind of things. Of course, mobility will be a major factor and the change to mobility and what that means to the infrastructure. And last but not least, I think social equity will be a major factor uh, in our cities in the future. Okay, so, so public spaces and sustainable mobility in the city should always be planned and designed in dialogue with citizens and other stakeholders. How do you manage to do that? How do you manage to keep thinking outside the box? Well, I think for us, it's really about how you look at space. So as I mentioned before, the, the Shanghai Street Design Guideline was the first time you started actually recognizing the street as a public space in a Chinese legal context, you can say. But actually, it, it's a global thing. I mean, the streets make up 20, 30% of our cities, which makes it the primary public space in our cities globally. And we often neglect to think about it. So simply thinking about the space as something completely different, not just thinking as a mode of traffic, but where you live your life is a starting point. We have a different ways of doing outreach. So the way we work, we often do this kind of measure, test, refine, where we actually go out and serve behavior, uh, try to understand people as the end user, uh, try to understand how they react to different kind of physical environment, but also in a direct dialogue with them. One of my favorite examples is in Copenhagen. Copenhagen is well renowned for being a bicycle city. Uh, more than 60% now commute on bike every day uh, to and from work and school and others. And when you ask people in Copenhagen and, and the city does uh, go out and have a dialogue, they ask them, why do you bike? You know, it's not because of the environment. It's not because of health. It's not because it's cheap. 63% answers because it's fast, it's fast, easy and convenient. So at the end of the day, it's about understanding what invites people to change behavior, what invites people to take the sustainable choice. Aha. And with that transport idea, let me ask, how do cities themselves create innovative mobility concepts that focus on people? I guess... We have to create to be aware about the quality in cities in general. And quality in relation to mobility is coming from more space in the streets. And the good story is about that we are getting more more, more, more space in the streets. So why? So because mobility the future for people and for behaviors will be more user-oriented and aligned to individual needs. Or and This is based on a sharing economy yeah. that will be a very big driver. Yeah, and what, what new forms of urban mobility will there be in the future and, and what kind of vehicles will they need? It's more about the services uh, in the, that we have from this user-oriented um, approach 
this with the Degelsit transformation mobility gives us uh, many better opportunities to offer more people-friendly mobility. That means mobility as a service will increasingly take away people's fear of losing a bit of freedom of their own car. This is a big driver to take away this fear. And by this new network, uh, network mobility with its autonomous range of vehicles, we can serve mobility much more individuals. So it means for mass transport the next 10 years, or to implement sustainable mobility in urban areas might be the fastest way to use autonomous buses, for instance, um, to make them more attractive and seamless barrier-free public transport and with a higher frequency that we have to expect from the future. Then we have other transport opportunities like ride-heating vehicles like Moya with the e-bus, etc. And then when we consider this now with the individual transport, the sharing economy could take or make owner-oriented mobility obsolete, could lead to 10 times less parking cars in the streets. So changing from having a huge fleet in storage of private cars in public spaces, standing around 160 hours a week and only used eight hours a week will be mobility just in time in the future. So we can win a lot of space. Right. And Christian, what can urban planners contribute to this? And, and, and which partners do you work with? So, I, I, I mean, I think this is a fascinating discussion. And as mentioned before, I mean, our dialogue now spans from, you know, uh, talking with the cities to talking with citizens to talking with uh, rail industry, uh, public transport industry, and all the way to car industry. And I think maybe the most significant impact is that the car industry is starting to realize that in the future they're not going to be selling a, a product they're selling a service and what does that mean it means that you're not going to own your car you're going to choose to use our maybe a self-driving car or ideally um, a, a self-driving bus something that's more space efficient as, as Torsten also says but i think what that means it it's a general change of behavior Imagine today you take your car in the morning, you bring it with it throughout the day and you bring it back in the evening. That's sort of the pattern of most of the world's uh, car behavior today. When we take away that and make mobility a proper service, you make a choice in the given f uh, physical context, in the urban context, in uh, the rural context that you're in, you make a choice about what kind of mobility do I want? And what does that mean? Well, that means that at some point it might make sense to take a car or a bus. In other points, if it's a nice day and a good uh, physical environment, good public spaces, you'll walk, you'll bike, you'll uh, you know, uh, take an e-scooter. So all of a sudden you're given choice. What's really, really interesting is we've done surveys all around the world of how people arrive to public transport. And somewhere between 95 and 98% arrive to public transport by foot or by bike. So we've always known that we want to make efficient public transport. We had to be really good to people. We had to provide good environments for walking and biking. What's interesting now is this will also be determinating for uh, the service providers within other kinds of mobility. So the car production companies the, the, will have the same kind of terms because people again will be arriving by foot, by bike to their service which radically changed how everybody is evaluating the space in their commute, basically. And we can see, I mean, both urban planning and, and vehicle development are, are long-term projects. Uh, how does one anticipate future challenges and, and how can one prepare for them? Christian, how can a sustainable urban infrastructure be designed to meet future challenges? Well, I think, I think it is... there. 
we're blessed with one thing and that we have, we have actually one constant factor and that's us us as people, our physiology, uh, our uh, scale, how we observe things are a pretty constant factor. So if you understand and uh, uh, sustainable behavior, if you understand human needs, then you actually have something to start with. So that's one side of it. Then, as I said, I think this change of mobility offers uh, a, a really generous um, chance to rethink how we use space in our cities. Torsten mentioned it as well. If we get better shared mobility, if we start to look mobility as a service, we can free up space for parking, we can free up space and rethink how our streets looks, how our public spaces looks, how the pressure looks on going into cities. Uh, so we can get rid of some of the congestions, all these kind of issues. And that's sort of like, that's the ideal takeaway. Of course, there is also uh, the other um, challenge and that is we don't know yet how does a self-driving car react in, in traffic. What you might fear is that we end up with a separated uh, traffic system altogether. I think that's maybe the biggest challenge. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential, but there is a challenge. We'll end up with designated roads just for self-driving cars so they don't you know, run into barriers, these kind of things. But ideally, everything is put into a space and dealt with in a human scale. Yes, and buses are, of course, an important factor of mobility. E-buses from MAN are already in operation in various European cities and at the end of the year will be in operation in Copenhagen. To put it simply, electric vehicles will play a key role in the cities of the future, as will connectivity and digitalization. Torsten, how important are these issues of the future to you and your colleagues at MAN? You're quite uh, curious about these technical opportunities and uh, connectivity options, what we are exploring at the moment, and at least what we can do with that to the well-being of the citizen. So our challenge is always um, somehow to transfer the upcoming technical options, like artificial intelligence, into a new customer experience. So we're always to put the people in the center yeah, to be, it's going. This is what is changing now. We had it in the former times more. We had a technical approach to make it everything as um, as perfect as possible, and the total cost of ownership had been the center. Now we put our passengers in the center and the operators in the city. Yeah? That means on the one side uh, to show and hand cities and operators this fully connected smart vehicle as a perfect tool facing nowadays problems and solution for tomorrow. On the other hand, to create a new passenger experience, what gives uh, the diversity of citizens the best option satisfying their mobility requirements. So people need, they are timeless. It's just the tools which are changing. Huh? And the options themselves have to be convinced by a better user experience. So what we are facing as an example, what we did uh, maybe from Stephen Hopkins, he had this wheelchair and this was the first IoT vehicle we ever had. So it was possible by Stephen Hopkins just to have this connection between this brilliant brain and the World Wide Web by just using the muscle of a, of a chick. This, mm -hmm. is, this is a great perspective, at least we also would like to give this experience to our cities and passengers, make it as simple as possible and make a great experience. Yes, I was reading about Stephen Hawking's chair uh, during my preparation and, and really fascinating technology that it was controlled by his cheek muscles. Let's move a little bit in that direction. Christian, if, if you could draw the city of the future on a drawing board, what would it look like? 
Well, we always say that you should actually consider first what kind of life do you want to live? What kind of spaces would you need for that? And how can the building's programs support that? Now, this is very easy to say, but it's relatively hard to do because in reality, the way we build cities is often we build buildings and then we hope life and mobility and everything else works. So there's something about simply saying, okay, let's not just look at functionality. Let's look at the life we want to have in the future. Right now, there's this notion of the 15 minute uh, city. And I think that's, that is super interesting because with self-driving cars, sure, we can have a long commute, we can work in the car, uh, you know, you can spend that one and a half hour going into the city and you can live everywhere. And some have expected that would be the end of cities, but cities are so much more. And actually, it's about how we spend our time. We have 24 hours per day, that's not going to change. Uh, we do have to do our work, we do have to do chores, we do have to sleep, and then there's the commute bit. And the commute bit can be longer and shorter. And I think the idea of actually building cities that are truly mixed, that are actually catering for a life we want, where we have less time on commutes and more time doing the stuff we love, will be an important part of the future. And for me, that means that the goal is not just to be able to move people around um, in a convenient way, but it's also to say, how can we build cities where commute is an integrated part of the daily life? It's part of your daily health. We know that social economic studies in Copenhagen show that you know the city benefits richly from um, less lifestyle-related diseases due to the bike culture in the city. So there's all these kind of positive elements if you can change mobility together with how we live in cities so you can have a local life. Okay, and then Torsten, the last question to you. If, if you were to think of the ideal bus of the future, what would be the defining traits of the vehicle? Oh, interesting question. Um, so condense it down now just to a bus from the whole ecosystem of mobility in urban spaces. It's about that any vehicle in the whole mobility chain of public transport should somehow or must be fully integrated in a smart, holistic, seamless driver journey. If there's anywhere a gap, the whole experience gets a bad attitude. So we have to pull and to attract it by a really reliable experience. So Another part, the autonomous city bus itself, it's a fully integrated smart mobility space in the city. So it's, it's giving a, a nice space. It's not just taking space as nowadays. It's also mm -hmm. what we are working on that. We are creating a piece of architecture, a piece of an object, at least where you can spend some time. It's not about that as vehicles today, we are taking space. They also can be of our, a part of our daily life in urban areas. So from designer's perspective, the bus itself should be a, a complete new experience, a better one at least to have casual time at any place, not only on the street, as also in the buses themselves. And maybe in the future about our buses, it could be that we have certain lanes. So today, it's, it's not a fetish that every bus has to look the same. That means it's very colorful in the future. So that's where we are going through. And at least we would like to give this in a in a way that you don't have to use the bus, that you want to use the bus. This is one of our goals. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to using the bus when it, when it finally turns up. That brings us to the end of that. Thanks very much, Christian. And thank you very much, Torsten. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much. Likewise. You're listening to Sustainability Stories, a Trayton podcast. My name is Dan Wesker. Thank you for joining us. 
Feel free to recommend our podcast and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or with the podcast app of your choice. Until next time, I look forward to you tuning in again. Thanks very much. Sustainability Stories, the Trayton podcast on building a sustainable future.